Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Now I want to ask you to do something. I want to ask you to stand back up. I just, I just, this is an attitude check. That's all this is. It's an attitude check. No, really it's not. I, I didn't do this at 9 o'clock. I, every now and then during worship, um, I just want to hear the Holy Spirit. And um, this morning, I just, I just felt like there were those of you that this week is very critical for you. That you've been waiting on something and waiting on something and waiting on something. And, and that you're expecting a miracle. And last week I spoke about when Paul said, I believe, therefore I speak. That there comes a time when you just have to speak that which is not as though it were. You have to declare that. And uh, that's what I want to do over your life right now and over the miracle that you need. Because let me tell you something. God is still a God of miracles. And we want to give opportunity and agree with you that whatever it is you're standing for, that this week that expectation in you will get greater and not lesser because some time has passed for some of you and you're now believing that maybe it's just not going to happen. And I don't know what it is, but you know what it is. And you've been waiting. You say, you know, it's just probably not going to happen. Let me just tell you something. I got some it's that need to happen. Uh, You know, uh, you've got some it's that need to happen. And so today is it day. And we're going to believe for a miracle today. So all of you that say, I got an it that I've been waiting on, I just want you to lift your hands right now. Wow. Thanks for just coming along. You know, it's like, I'm going to get in on this. I didn't have an it, but I'll find one. All right. Let me pray over us. Father, thank you. You see our hands raised. Lord, our hearts are filled with expectation today. We raise our hands to you and raise our voices to you. And Lord, I declare that whatever it is that we are waiting on and expecting and been looking for, and some of us been praying and crying and pleading, God, we don't have to plead with you. We just have to believe in you. Lord, it's faith that moves mountains. And today, Lord, we lift our hands as a sign that our faith is lifted towards you. And Lord, I thank you that the it that we've been waiting on will manifest in our lives this week. Lord, that we would see your miracle in motion beginning now in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. You know, sometimes the the want to has to uh, create a will to for God to do what he wants to do. You know, just don't quit. Don't lay down. Don't lose your zeal. Don't lose your passion. Don't lose your excitement. Because I think God looks, looks down from heaven and, and just goes, I just, I just want to see you just believe. I mean, this is not about our works. I mean, it's, it's grace through faith that God will begin to move mountains before us. Can you imagine being a, an Israelite and, and you're facing the Red Sea? And I would hate to have been Moses in that moment going, God, you better do something or these millions are going to kill me. 
Because these people are looking and saying, you brought us out of a place, at least we got food with our beatings. And now we're standing here with Egypt behind us in a sea before us. And God said, watch and see what I'm going to do. It's about time for the waters to part in front of you. Don't turn back. Don't look back. Don't lay down. Move forward. It's time just to step on into it. If you're turned around, God doesn't need to part the waters. You're turned in the wrong direction. Quit listening to the little naysayers. Just believe God. Okay, you can sit down. If you weren't here last week, I talked about one of, one of my loves is cherry sours. I don't know who did this, but they actually used a went. Oh, I love you too. Window sticker for the. Isn't that cute? It's a, and that that was. This is. I got cherry sours. I don't know who did this, but yeah. Faith and Red Bull, what a combination. Wow. Well, I'm happy and I, well, I shouldn't say I haven't done anything yet because I have, but uh, only had a, a couple of sips. So what, you, what just happened was God. Well, we're going to talk about, this is the last sermon on it is not good, and it's not good to act foolishly, and sometimes we act foolishly because we don't have enough patience to gather all the information necessary to, to really determine how we feel about something. And believe it or not, uh, we create, to some degree, the emotions that we possess. And it's not like emotions come and then we go we respond we actually create the feeling or the emotion when you love someone it's because you have determined to do so and have that feeling it, it didn't just happen you surrendered yourself or put yourself in a position for that and so sometimes we just need to take a step back and consider what's happening there was a a pastor and a priest in a small community and they had a great love for their community a passion for it and they were very active in the community, not just in the church. And so uh, one day they were out standing by the road. They really cared deeply about the community. And they had this sign. And it says, turn around now, the end is near. And they're standing alongside the road. And, and, and you know, just a purpose to hold this sign as cars passed. And the very first car that, that came by them rolled his window down, seeing the, the priest and the pastor with a sign that, that said, turn around now, the end is near. And he yelled, put the sign down, you religious nuts. And he sped off and disappeared around the curb. And all of a sudden, they hear screeching tires and a splash. And the pastor looked at the priest and he said, do you think we ought to change the sign to bridge out? Sometimes we just need to slow down. And, 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 and maybe if the guy would have stopped instead of calling them religious nuts and said, well, you know, tell us a little bit more about this end is near thing, or maybe we should turn around now. Why don't you, why don't you give somebody an opportunity? Instead, oftentimes we, we are rash in our decision-making and we judge people because we're rash and, 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 and it, we act foolishly. Nobody intends to act foolishly. It's just a gift. 
You know, it comes with being a, a fallen creature. It comes with a fallen nature. And, and most of us don't want to act foolishly, but for some reason, we just don't pause long enough to maybe ask the right questions. Just to ask the right questions. Why? Have you ever just thought about somebody's like been mean to you and Maybe, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever had a server that acted like, you know, they didn't want to be there or they ate a box of cherry sours and, you know, and, and they just didn't want to be there. And, you know, I, I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm not going to tip well because I, 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 my server was not polite. And, and to me, that's acting foolishly because I've had kids who were servers and I didn't care if they were mean. I wanted you to tip them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I just think it's the right thing to do. I, I, you know, I've had bad service before, and sometimes I just tip bigger because the service was bad. Because, you know, you just want to show love. <clears throat> maybe, maybe sometime when that happens, you just look at the server and say, you know, is everything all right? Instead of acting foolishly, just pause long enough to, to inquire because sometimes, if not most of the time, a little inquiry might change your response and it might cause you to act godly instead of foolishly. And, and so there are those of us A-types who we don't pause long enough. Some of you are really good at this, and, and uh, you could probably teach this better than me, but I've learned that sometimes you just have to slow down. Now, in the book of Titus, chapter 3, if you'll turn there, welcome all of you listening by podcast. We're thankful that you've tuned in, and uh, we're honored that you're going to take a few minutes to listen. Titus, chapter 3, verse 8, it says, This is a trustworthy saying. There are some times when I read the Bible that I wonder why some of the wording is there. I mean, it's the Bible. Anything in the Bible, wouldn't you say it's pretty trustworthy? I would think it's a pretty trustworthy saying. But there are times for the sake of emphasis that the authors say, I want you just to take a moment, I want you to pause before you read the rest of this. This is a trustworthy saying. And I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. Doing good doesn't happen accidentally. We are in many ways in our fallen nature self-centered, selfish, and in doing so, disregarding all that's going on around us. And so Titus here is saying, I want you to get this. I want to stress these things so that those of you who trust in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. But avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. Now... Let me pause here a minute because oftentimes when we think about the reference to the law, we, we think, well, that just means back then. But the reality is that the law even today exists through what we would call legalism, where we categorize people, especially those who are different than us, and, and uh, we, we create our own law of relationship and friendship and what that looks like. And so <clears throat> it's not profitable for us. And, and so even though he's addressing controversies, genealogies, arguments, quarrels about the law, saying they're unprofitable and useless, for us, we have to guard against the very same things today in our lives. 
Warn a divisive person once, then warn him a second time. After that, have nothing to do with him. Now, <clears throat> it's not because of your, you're separating your love for that person, but it's very important that you and I understand that if a shift is not possible in a relationship and you're being dragged down, that you have to be careful to know what to do with that. The Bible says, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools comes to ruin. So people who are divisive, people who are mean, it doesn't mean that you're going to be the person to change them or win them. All you can do is love them. I used to think if someone wasn't who they needed to be, wanted to be, or more importantly, who I thought they should be, that it was my responsibility to keep them from going to hell. And the reality is you and I cannot change anyone. I mean, I used to think I can fix this. I was a fixer. And then I realized if you and I don't take good information, process it, and implement it, then it's never going to happen. We are the ones responsible for the attitudes that we possess and the way that we live. So if you get good information, it's important to take that information and apply it. So today, you can call this preaching or the dissemination of information, because that's really all it is. It's just sharing information that, that, that's coming from the Word of God, processed by an imperfect human being. Uh, that'd be me. So you can't eat all of this. I've spit some of it out. But there is good enough, there, there's enough information in here to help us this week, so, and maybe the rest of our lives. So it says, warn a divisive person once, and then warn him a second time. I, I don't really quite get that, because why don't we just do it three times? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Anyway, so after that, have nothing to do with him. Ooh, that's New Testament. That's New Testament. And so it, does it mean that you're excommunicating yourself from that person? Not necessarily, because I believe that we're called to pray for all people, and I believe we're called to love all people. But in my life, there was a, there was a time when, uh, and I won't use the name because you would know this person, that years and years ago when I was in college, I had the privilege of knowing the son-in-law of a very, very famous man. I had access to all of their areas of living, and it was huge. And this gentleman was a very good golfer. I liked to golf. And so I, I could get into the compound anytime I wanted. And I loved that, you know, that feeling. Can I just tell you it fed my flesh? <laughs> I just felt good about me because, you know, I had this opportunity. And, and so I was enjoying playing golf. And one day God spoke to my heart very clearly. And he said, you're not to do this anymore. Because every time I would play golf with this individual, he was negative about all the success of the family. He was critical and he was bitter. And it wasn't that I didn't love him. I loved him, but God said, you're going to take on the bitterness of this man. You're going to take on the divisiveness of this individual. And I pled with God. I said, God, you don't understand. I got the keys to the kingdom. <laughs> and God said, yeah, but it's the wrong kingdom. <laughs> I mean, have you ever been there? Well, you know, you, even going and looking for a car, and, and you know you're praying, God, let, this, let me get this. And, and your mind is wrapped, and you hear God, you hear what you think is God saying, it is yours, my child. And it's a salesman. <clears throat> 
There are times your flesh wants something that is not going to be productive for you. I mean, husbands and wives go through this issue all the time, especially men. Well, I've worked hard for this, and I deserve this, and I'm going to get this. And, and you just hound your spouse until he can't take anymore, and, 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 and you get it, and then it's miserable, it's divisive, it's not productive. It's foolish to act without considering everything. This is week seven for us right here, okay? So like week seven. And the thought of coming back to Oklahoma City was, was a little bit bittersweet for me because it would have been easier just to disappear. When you've gone through what I've gone through, it's easier just to disappear. It's like, Jesus, I'll see all these people in heaven. They'll be shocked. <laughs> and quite frankly, I could do a thousand years of that. It'd be fine with me. People were already going to be shocked. Now really shocked, you know. And, and getting to come back here and, 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 and do this was like literally God speaking to me. It was just nothing short of God speaking to me. I promise you. I promise you. It was just like God said, January 3rd, this is what you're to do. And, and I, I questioned him. Don't question God. It's like he always has the answer. And you don't want to hear it. He is a perfect explainer. I don't even know if explainer is a word, but it is today. <clears throat> And he will always give you that perfect answer. If you ask, if you're patient, if you're slow to movement, you won't act foolishly. And so it's, I just every week it's so good to see so many faces that, you know, I, I don't know what to expect, but I'm just so thankful nobody's hit me yet. <laughs> I, it's a blessing. It's a blessing that most of you have smiled. And, you know, some of you still, you're still NASCAR in it. You're just waiting for somebody to hit the wall, i.e. me. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's foolish first to judge someone's devotion to God or good. You know, that's what this driver was doing. He was, he was judging their devotion. Why are they standing here holding a sign? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And, and so, we begin to judge people. And one of the things I find most difficult is... Uh, and you, you young parents of young children, I, I want you to know I'm glad you're here and want you to be here. And I have a, a high level of tolerance for parents with small children because it's not easy. And I can speak from experience. <laughs> Five and still alive. And, you know, it, I, I traveled, have traveled throughout the years an awful lot. And when I get on an airplane and I see a, oh my goodness, especially a mother with like, Two babies. I, I, I mean, nowadays you can't offer to help because you're just a weird old man. You know, it's like, leave my children alone. Got it covered. And they can't carry everything. And you can't ask to help anymore because you, you're already judged, you know. You don't trust anybody, you know. And, and but I want to help. And I see them. And so what I do now, since I know that they don't want me to, like, even touch their kid or you might go to prison for 10. And, you know, just even you pat them on the head. Is it okay? I'm sorry. I just thought you patted your kid on the head. And they've already got an attorney on standby, retainer. You know what I'm saying? Uh, there's the money. That, there's your college fund. Who's going to be next? You know, there's your car. And so I, I have this just passion, compassion, where I go up to them and I say, look, the kid's crying or something. And I just, I just go up and I say, you know, I got your back. 
It's all right. I've been, don't, don't worry about it. Because, because there's just a feeling, and you judge them, and say, are they really devoted to being a good parent? Any of us who have been parents, it's the grace of God that any child lives. <laughs> Absolutely the grace of God. You know, our first kid, I mean, we made sure everything was perfect, and don't do this, and don't run with that. You know, as long as the kid held the knife at the right end, we didn't care if it was a fifth kid, it'll be all right. You wouldn't let them touch scissors, now you just let them play with them and cut anybody's hair that's in the house. And because of that, we oftentimes judge someone's devotion to to what they're doing, to their responsibility as a parent. And, and quite frankly, let's just be real, real honest with each other. It's, it's a task in this life. And it, I don't know how people do it without the Holy Spirit and, and the opportunity to hear his voice and, and to, be, to be wise enough to ask the right questions, to wait, to be patient. And, you know, we make so many de- decisions on the foundation of our emotions, and we all have emotions, and we all have feelings, and, and you know what? Hurt comes to all of us, and the, the reality is the only way we can really, really love people is to really, really allow the love of God to reside in us and, and to just truly love everybody regardless. You know, everybody in here has been hurt. You, you know, whether everybody, if you have not been hurt, I want to meet with you after service, and, and just I just want to hear how that feels. And, and on, the, on the platform of that hurt, we make decisions foolishly that prevent us from being in God's place. And, and that really is the key to life, is, is not listening to all that's being spoken around us or the hurt within us, but to the voice of the Holy Spirit. In Matthew 7, 1, it says, do not judge. Now, in the original language, that really means do not judge. You just had a Greek lesson today. You know, God is real serious about this for all of us. And it says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, the Bible is filled with principles and, and laws. Now, a lot of people in, in the New Testament era and in the church today don't like to talk about the laws or laws. So let's, let's just talk about principles and, but, but, and as well as laws. But there's the law of gravity, okay? The law of gravity uh, is what, well, it does, it's really good and it's bad. The law of gravity holds us to the earth and then it takes our skin and over time... That what, which hold us, holds us down, pulls us down. <laughs> you know, that's what all the jowls and all that business is about. You know what I'm saying? And so, but, but it's a law. And, and, and some people would say it's a bad law. And, 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 you know, if you fall off a building, then you hate the law of gravity. But if you get up in the morning and you can walk about your house, you love the law of gravity. So what I'm saying is we all have this prejudice or uh, uh, this innate quality, if you will, to prejudge things. And we judge them according to where we are in the moment. Okay, so you can defy laws for a season, and they will work. You, you wonder why some evil people prosper. 
And, and, and you don't really know their heart or the joy or the misery of their life. So it looks like they're prospering, but they're really miserable. But at any rate, I've heard people say, I don't know why that mean person has a big house and a beautiful car. And because you can defy the principles and the laws of God for a season. So an airplane can, you, you know, I've flown overseas a number of times, and it's really weird to me how 17 hours, we, I've defied gravity for 17 hours at a time. Or at least I was on a, a, a piece of equipment that defied gravity for 17 hours. I mean, it's kind of weird when it starts hopping around. You don't think it's going to defy gravity. You know, gravity's going to win. And the plane is going to come down. But then it lands because it has to refuel. And, and so if it just stayed up in the air, if a pilot said, you know, I just think I'm going to stay up here a long time. Good luck with that because the law of gravity is going to, going to happen. So... You know, in our lives, when we choose to obey the Lord and not act foolishly and honor God, even though our feelings and emotions don't want to, the laws that say, you know, if you're obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You'll be blessed in the city and the country coming in, going out. That's an obedient, that's a law that God said, if you do these things. Now, here's the reason I say this. In Deuteronomy 28, it says, and if you don't, you'll be cursed. If you do, you'll be blessed. So God laid it out. So people who blame God for bad things really are acting foolishly because God gave us the book that tells us how to live. So people say, well, then why does it happen? Because of the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, you reap. It's a principle of God. So whenever you do what God says and you act in accordance with the word of God and you act righteously instead of foolishly, then think good things happen. Now, I believe that there are satanic allowances... I haven't used that word in a long time. <laughs> That's such a, that word, you know? And so, uh, you know, whenever there are demonic influence that, that causes us to believe that someone doesn't go to church, they don't worship God, they have no regard for God, and yet you see good things happening in their lives. That is so that you and I will get our eyes off of God and our focus on something else instead of I'm going to do right and righteous even when it doesn't feel good, and oftentimes it doesn't feel good. When you want to reach out and slap somebody, and you are perfectly justified in doing so, but you know what the Bible says, and it's in here, and they're out here, and this orbit's like going to collide, and and you go, okay, I'm not going to do it, because the minute you slap them, Somebody will turn around and slappeth you. Yeah. Had to throw a little King James in there. <laughs> Somebody passed me yesterday going, I mean, you know, you know, I like, I think speed is of God. Because <laughs> the Bible talks about in the twinkling of an eye, that's fast. So I think there are things that we need to, you know, anyway. So I was just obeying the law, the speed limit. And, you know, I don't know how many of you have ever gotten mad at somebody, you know. And they're driving slow, you know. You know, you're just going all around this business, you know. I mean, it's like, and you act foolishly. And you see a clearing and you pass them. I've had this happen before. And you pass them. And you don't get around them by 100 yards. And there's a police officer. (laughs) 
if you'd have been praying, uh, you would have not have been passing. And you're all over their business judging them, and here you are. You don't know what's going on in their life. I don't know what's going on in their life. I mean, maybe they just lost someone. They can't think. They can't drive. I've been there. And so we judge people. And the Bible says, don't judge. Do not judge. We are called to owe no man nothing but love. That's what we're called to do. You remember the story of, of, that Jesus talked about in Luke chapter 10. He's talking with an expert of the law. and The, the, the expert of the law said uh, he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Because oh, I know what he's wanting to do. He's wanting to not love certain people. And Jesus goes down the list. The man was on the road. He was beaten and robbed. Priest goes by, other side of the road. Levite goes by, other side of the road. And then Jesus does the unthinkable. He doesn't say, and then there was another man that came by and offered aid. Mm -mm. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus kind of get in there. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Jesus is kind of, he'll get in your business, you know. He'll take the worst person in your life and put them in the cubicle next to you. That is not Satan. That is God. Because he loves you so much that he wants you to be perfected in him. And Jesus goes, and then there was a Samaritan, the Jews, despised Samaritans, and Samaritans despised Jews. And Jesus tells how the Samaritan came by, bandaged his wounds, put him, this beaten up man, on his own donkey, walks him to town, gives two silver coins to the innkeeper, and says, I will be back, and when I do, I'll take care of the rest. There you go. I kind of got real close. You're reading. I know some of you looking beyond me. They're just going, hey. So the, the point is that we act foolishly based on our prejudices, which means to prejudge before we ever know someone. There was a guy that I met years ago, very, very wonderful, has become an incredible friend. But when I first met the guy, I couldn't stand him. Matter of fact, I was at this conference, and, and I almost I, I, I said, I'm not going back because of him. Guess what? That man is one of my dearest friends today. And in my darkest hour, he's the one that said, I'm putting you on an airplane. I am flying you to my city, and I am taking care of you. This was a guy that 15 years ago, I had foolishly, acted foolishly, and prejudged him because he's very eccentric. You ever been around those people? Very eccentric. I grew up in Berry Hill. We could not spell eccentric. <laughs> so I, I was just like, I was put off by this, you know. But sometimes you judge yourself out of a blessing that God's waiting to give you through that person five years from now. So you might just want to love everybody. People say, well, what's your motivation? 
Don't judge me. <laughs> to love everybody. It's foolish, secondly, to think we will always agree. I'm not talking about always agreeing, folks. Listen to me. The reason I'm sharing this is because we act foolishly when we want to persuade someone to our side or our opinion. That's foolish. To, to always say, I want to persuade. You know, if you could just make it your goal this week to inform. Because some of us are very persuasive. And the reality is that if information is not enough to enable someone to hear your heart and process it, if you do win them, have you really won them or have you, have you just won them based on smooth talk? See, if you can just inform somebody, they can make an educated decision on their own. See, I didn't come back to Oklahoma City to make a statement. You guys have heard me say it many times. I came back only because of a word of God. I had a job offer in the Bahamas. Are you kidding me? It's 40-some degrees this morning when I get up in Oklahoma. I like feel like I'm being punished. God said, I told you to go back. It's going to be a cold summer for you. Europe, opportunity to go to Europe. And Jesus said, Oklahoma City, I, what? <laughs> what? I can promise you that I get to be at the front of the heavenly real estate line. <laughs> there will be a line. Everybody right now who's living on the beach, they're going to be living in Kansas forever. And so... <laughs> You see, a disagreement between us without devotion to God within us is what's cr what creates divisiveness around us. Disagreement between us without devotion to God within us because our goal is God is what creates divisiveness around us. So you don't address the divisiveness. How many of you know when you go to the doctor, when you tell them what's wrong, you are giving them the symptom or the symptoms? And oftentimes... Have you, I watch these commercials about pills that, you know, prescriptions. It's like, some of them say, and ultimately could lead to death. Okay, yeah, so I don't have stomach ulcers anymore, but I'm going to die. You're right, I won't have them. I'm going to die. It's like the side effects are like 20. I'm taking care of an ulcer, but I get 20 other things. Diarrhea, nausea, can't see, blurriness of vision, and may cause death. Well, at least I won't feel the pain in my tummy anymore. You're right. You're going to be dead. <laughs> and so we address symptoms instead of causes. We talk about division among the saints and divisiveness because somebody's being obedient when in reality all we're doing is we need to ask this question, what's the heart of the issue? I would never want anybody to not obey God. If nobody came to this church because God wouldn't let them, I'd feel like a total success. Because we all are called to follow the Holy Spirit. That's it. And it's not, I'm just going to tell you, it's not convenient a lot. Ask Jesus about the convenience of following the voice of the Father. It took him to a cross. Sometimes obeying the Lord is painful. 
But the pain is a symptom of something deeper in us. And the pain that Jesus felt, he surrendered to God and said, Not my will, but your will be done. Because in obedience to you, I will be raised up from the dead. And I will raise those who believe in me after I am raised. So if someone's divisive, it's a symptom of a heart issue, a heart condition that has not surrendered itself to God. I don't like all of the Bible. And any of you say, oh, gasp. I hate the verse that says, bless those who persecute you. I want to slap them upside the head. And any of you who don't agree with that, you're just, you need a checkup from the neck up because you know that when somebody be mean to you, it ain't like, oh, Jesus, just, I just want them blessed. <laughs> bless them, bless them. No, you feeling what I'm feeling. And if you can't be the one to slap them, let me be around when somebody does. So whenever I start feeling that thought, I know that I got to go beyond the symptom and I got to go to the cause. I want to treat the cause. Because I'm going to tell you something. Love is the antidote to anything going on in your life. The cure to all hate, divisiveness, things that are not productive. This is a trustworthy saying. Then lastly, it's foolish, not good to win an argument and lose a friend. I've got to tell you guys something. I, I, I'm going to get into pride here just for a minute. I think you because I want to go ahead and say it before I'm accused of it. Uh, no, I, it's one of those things, where, you know, it's like a kid that, that's, you know, learned to do something like drink from a cup by himself. This is the kind of thing I feel. I don't argue anymore. It's, it's such a cool thing. People don't know what to do with me. It's like I just don't argue. I'm like, well, you know. Have you ever had a conversation with someone and they say, you said, and you blah, 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 blah. And you go, you know, I, I don't recall saying that. That way you're not saying I didn't, but I don't recall it. Then you take it a step further. Let me help you here. You know, if I said that, and that hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. And you can always tell if somebody really likes to argue, they'll come back. I know you said that. If I said that, and it hurt your feelings, I'm sorry. See, because you can't fight with somebody who won't fight. Yeah, it's cool, huh? <laughs> Men, let me tell you something. Our testosterone costs us. Stop. Just stop. Your wife is not going to know what to do when you pull this one. And Mother's Day next week, I'm helping you. <laughs> Just get her a card that says, Happy Mother's Day, no more arguing. And she will test you. Nine out of ten husbands agreed that their wife is always right. The tenth hasn't been seen since the study was conducted. <laughs> the reality is, it's a trustworthy saying that if you go back back to the very beginning 
And he says, and I want you to stress these things. You know, it's, it's fun to find out things in your life that historically you've acted foolishly. I've acted foolishly. And to say, I don't want to act foolishly anymore, so let me stop, not judge, process, not criticize. Our goal is God. Our goal is not to win a fight. Our goal is, is not to prove ourselves right. Our goal is to love. God becomes the focus. And whenever our focus is on God, it's funny how few things you see around you. When you hear someone saying something or, or something that used to bother you, it won't bother you because your focus is God. And I'll never forget, I was flying, I uh, was going from Kampala, Uganda, to Gulu, Uganda, and it's an hour flight, and uh, we had to take this rickety airplane, because it would not even pass certification here, that would, the FAA would have it in a museum. <laughs> and so the pilot, I was, I was co-pilot, and the pilot, the pilot was a, about a five foot, 95 pound Asian woman. I'm watching, she said, now when we take off, you're going to take the controls. And she said, I'm going to rest. I thought, really? So today we're going to die. And so, uh, so we, we get off the ground, and we're about 4,000 4, feet. It's a beautiful day, 4,000 feet above, above the Nile. And, and so I'm, I said, now, now tell me what I'm, I need to do here before you, you know, doze off. And uh, so she said, uh, it, on, the, on the dash, I'm not even exaggerating. Any of you have flown, the avionics on this plane was about a three-inch by two-inch little GPS that you'd have to be like 20 to read, <laughs> not over 50. And I said, I, I, I can't do this. She said, no, no, here's what you do. She said, I want, you see that mountain over there? She said, just keep the nose pointed to the mountain. Can I tell you all something? I didn't take my eyes off the mountain. <laughs> and this is not like driving a car. You got crosswinds, up and down winds, and so you're fighting through any turbulence, and it's like this, and you're dancing around. I'm telling you, if the mountain was on, you know, <laughs> And for one hour, and red eyes, I kept my eyes on the mountain. You know, all the distractions, all the people that have caused you pain, all the foolishness around us, got to keep your eyes on God. And it sounds cliche, considering that we're in the Midwest, the belt buckle, the Bible belt. But the reality is, at the end of the day, if you'll keep your eyes on God, the things that once disturbed you, you will not notice. You will not notice the crying baby sitting behind you because your eyes are on God and you have such a love for God that that love transcends your anger or annoyance where you want to turn around and love the baby that's crying. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your focus on God. You know, when somebody comes up to talk to you about somebody else and you listen, your eyes go off of God. Did you hear about mm -mm, eyes on God? It's like me going to Gulu. Mm -mm. <laughs> I'm not getting my eyes off of that mountain. I'm not getting my eyes off of God. I'm not going to act foolishly. And you'll start acting foolishly if you start listening to foolish talk. You see, all that we are today in here is an expression of what we have in here. Your being here today is an expression of your love for God in the local church. See, you, you see it as I'm going to church. No, you today... Your presence is an expression of what you are on the inside. 
We're not acting. We're all doing what's already happened in here, in our hearts. And so some of you lift your hands and worship, and some of you think those of us who do are strange. I love the fact that we can coexist. You know, I, I, I remember when I had this, this attitude about Catholicism, and, and I remember when, when uh, I was at a board meeting and Jim Caviezel had played Passion of Jesus in the Passion of the Christ. Some of you remember when I had him in church. Well, people started talking to me. Well, do you know he's Roman Catholic? Do you know he's this? And, do you, and, you know, the Lord said, you know what? You need to have him. And when I met Jim Caviezel, and is, he's the only Jesus I've really met on this side of heaven. And, uh, and when I met him, I, I, I fell in love with his devotion and heart for God. And you said, but he's Roman Catholic. You see, that's judgmental. Because there are people who love God that you are judging based on the building they're in instead of the life and the love that they possess. And we just, it's not healthy for any of us. So stop and let's not act foolishly. Let's love God and let's love people and don't let your brain and your heart become a disposal for other people's divisiveness, hurt and pain and whatever else. Above all things, guard your heart for out of the flow of the issues of life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day, for a word that we call the Bible as true, admonishing us to strive to Uh, really press into you God and that's what we do today with every head bowed and every eye closed please there may be those of you here that say you know I've not had my eyes on God I'm not a Christian what must I do to be saved one of the great verses in the Bible what must I do to be saved the Bible says call upon the name of the Lord just call upon the name of the Lord and so if you've yet to do that in your life I just like to give an opportunity at the end of each worship experience for you to do that. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you say, I have not done that, but I want to, would you just lift your hand up, put it right back down. That's all I want you to do. And then we're just going to pray together. Just lift your hand up, put it right back down. Okay. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die for my sin. Jesus, today, I call upon your name, the name above every name, and I declare today I'm saved. Amen.